Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is July 5th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Tarek Skubal went four innings, zero and runs, zero hits, zero walks in, six Ks. It wasn't a perfect one because he did have a back foot slider that was literally a back foot slider as he had a hit by pitch. But this was wonderful, not just because he's back on the, the hill and had this good line against the Athletics. It's because he was throwing 96, not 94, as we saw pre-surgery for Tarek Skubal. That's so exciting. And he's doing what I call the seven as a lefty, which is throwing four seamers upstairs and inside. So if you look at the strike zone, uh, you essentially have the top row and the far right column making a seven uh, for your locations, which I love to see with Tarek Skubal. It's what I wanted to see before the surgery from him. And that allows this slider that's really good. Um, the better slider that we've seen in the past. Uh, do well underneath bats, get some whiffs there, get some awkward outs, and they have the change of curveball mixing in as well. This works a ton. It's just 57 pitches right now, so we're probably going to wait uh, for another start or two until we get like proper scoobal. I actually wouldn't even suggest necessarily starting for his next one because 57 pitches across four innings is more like three innings in a normal situation when you don't have any base runners. And uh, you have next start around 65 pitches to 70, and that really normally isn't five innings. Still, very encouraging for Tarek Skuba here. I think you should be picking him up. Regardless, even if you're not starting the next one, this is a legit skill set. This is a better version of Tarek Skuba, and we were excited about him before. Reese Olsen um, came in relief for five innings after of zero runs, one hit, one walk, and five Ks. I do want to mention him because I am a fan of Reese Olsen. He's on the list. I didn't think this would be a piggyback like this. It does make sense as he did go five innings after and went to extra innings. Uh, the slider was really good once again. If you remember that from the last start, Olsen's slider was everything. This was a 38% CSW, while the fastball worked well inside the zone. And there is more upside to be had there for Reese Olsen with the changeup down. I should mention about Tarek Skubal, it likely was a case where the velocity was a little bit up because he was amped for returning back from Tommy John. Still two ticks and not like one does make me think that the fastball will be settling around like 95 as opposed to just the 94 that he had before. Um, when it comes to Reese Olsen, it might be something that they do for the next start as well with Tarek Skubal. Especially with Eduardo Rodriguez starting today, and we'll talk about that one later on when we talk about the uh, starters for today and tomorrow's games. So you might see this for another start with Reese Olsen, and then another opening is when he'll come back into the rotation. So it might not be worthwhile to have Reese Olsen at the moment, as I imagine he'll go about four innings or so in the next outing. Uh, Logan Gilbert had a complete game shutout against the Giants. Nine innings, zero runs, of course. Five hits, zero walks, and seven Ks. Not a Maddox, as it was 105 pitches, but he did have a three-pitch inning, and I just watched it on the stream. It was three fastballs straight down the middle. And I understand. I can't really blame the Giants too much for swinging at all those first pitches. They went up expecting heaters, and they got beautiful ones. First one from Yastrzemski was at the warning track to dead center. Second one was a liner to center that didn't land. As Julio Rodriguez, I think, traversed so much, like 100 feet between those two, two batted balls for outs. And the third one, and I normally say, like, as a third batter of the inning, I don't care how meeting of a fastball it is, you cannot swing. You cannot give a chance for a pitcher to ever have a three-pitch inning. But Blake Sable did it. Rookies. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it was such a good fastball. I get it. It was down the middle. 
and he flew out to left. So Logan Gilbert threw three fastballs down the middle, so I'm trying to say they were all outs, and that is very atypical. That's why it was a three-pitch inning. It wasn't like these beautiful fastballs inside or something like that. Traditionally, I would imagine actually really quick pitch innings are actually meaty pitches that find gloves because that's why they're swinging and being able to put it into play. Anyway, the main story is not that. It's the slider. He had 22 whiffs overall in this one and 12 of them via the slider, which is huge. I wouldn't say it was the most ideal location. Some, some of them were, but not all of them. And I think Gilbert just kind of cruised through this and the, the Giants were fastball hunting and the slider was able to be mixed inside the zone pretty well. He did increase his velocity for uh, uh, for tighter vertical break. I mean by that is less vertical break, but it's more of a cutter uh, than it is the big loopier slider. He's kind of gone between this stuff in the past. And I think Gilbert is making a concerted effort to do this, which is clearly working. Uh, the splitter was fine. Um, it wasn't really the best thing for Logan Gilbert. So the two things that I've been wanting is four-seamer whiffs and splitter whiffs again. But we're getting the slider because I didn't really expect that one. So that's good. It's been a mysterious year of Logan Gilbert up and down. And uh, I guess we're obviously starting him and stuff. It's just I need to see some consistency one way or another, another to really feel like, okay, cool. This is a path to sustainable success. And I hope this is it, but I don't know quite yet. J.P. Sears was opposite Tarek Skubal against the Tigers as our stream pick of the day. And 7.1 innings of zero and runs, five hits, zero walks, four Ks. No win because we have Skubal and Olsen on the other side, which is all kinds of frustrating. But 15 whiffs, 33% CSW. And yeah, he's 20-22 Eric Lowers. I cannot express this enough. That is what you're dealing with. This was against the Tigers. We start him there. I don't really think that his sweeper is a 64% CSW pitch. The four-seamer was in the zone, and it worked against the Tigers, but yeah, I don't think I actually want to start him against the Red Sox this Sunday. Um, he's a very volatile cherry bomb. Okay, cool. Brandon Bilak, a lot of people ask me questions about this because J.P. Francis pushed it tomorrow, and Bilak was taking his spot, and I was like, you know what? I don't really want to think about it. I know it's Rocky Road. Bilak does have those moments where the changeup's really good, but it's just not really something I feel like I need to do. Well, I should have. He got the win in seven innings, zero in runs. Two hits, four walks. In 4Ks, 11 whiffs, 24% CSW, 96 pitches. He gets the gold star because I just didn't really expect it. Um, it was a sub-50% strike rate uh, on the curveball. Uh, he got outs on it, but like really bad there. And the four-seamer sinker change was enough. I, I think of it like plodding through like a snowstorm. Like you're going to get home, but it's not really something that you're excited about, you know? That, that's like the image of this start. It was very good, like... The goal is to go zero and runs, that is, arrive home, but you're just kind of plodding through it, and it doesn't feel great as you do it. That's kind of what Bilek did here. Um, I won't. I don't really think that you should focus on Bilek a ton. Um, this was a situation also because of the Framber Valdez skip and a couple other things. The Astros rotation is in a weird place, so Bilek might not really stick around here, but if he does, pay attention to matchups as he could do something like this again, Okay. Cool. Jesus Lazardo against the Cardinals that got the win. Six innings, zero and runs, five hits, two walks, eight Ks. That's three straight scoreless games from Jesus Lazardo as his whip is under one since May 9th. That's two months. He's so good. He's doing the seven with the fastball. He avoided hard contact in the slider, which I think is actually the bit most susceptible thing here. And his changeup wasn't good. It was oddly off um, in this one. So it was really slider and fastball. They just dominated the Cardinals because the Cardinals aren't very good right now. And that's really cool to see because I I feel as if Lizardo has been relying a lot on that changeup and the slider hasn't really been doing the things. But um, this was good. This was good. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a giant fan of Jesus Lizardo. You guys know that. 
And Aaron Nola, oh, thank you so much. Thank you for going 7.1 innings, one earned run, five hits, one walk, 12 Ks. As some of you likely benched him, I put him at the top of probable start. Why? Because it was the Rays. And Nola has been all over the place. But this was not that. This was 13 whiffs, 35% CSW. Classic Nola. You know, Aaron Nola is like, to me, the poster child for why CSW matters. Because he's more on the called strike side. Why? Because of sinkers and four-seamer command. That has always been the thing that got me in on Aaron Nola. Yes, the knuckle curve is so good. It's one of the better curveballs in the game. Absolutely. And he got that one down. It wasn't hung in this. But really, the thing about Aaron Nola that made me believe in him back in like 2015 when no one else did, because it wasn't whiffs, is because I watched the games and I saw how precise that sinker was back door to righties and the fastball around the zone. And then all of a sudden, this big curveball. It's like, this is it. This is a pitcher. This is a guy who's going to cruise through a lot of games. And then he's been volatile, right? I mean, Fast wants to believe in the every other year for Aaron Nola, and I get that. Home run rate has been super high this year once again, and he was good last year, and then the year before that he wasn't, you know, so on and so forth. But Aaron Nola in this game was really a three-pitch pitcher. He had nine cutters and I think like four change-ups or so. Sure, he got some random cutters in there for strikes, and the change-up was pretty much shelved. But this was inside and out. Um, so like a glove side, four-seamers, arm side sinkers, as it should be, and then curveballs down. Right, He did the upside-down triangle, which is exactly what Aaron Nola should be doing. He should be doing really the neckbeard of this. Uh, avoiding, honestly, I really don't think that Aaron Nola lives well um, up in the zone at all and really anywhere near the heart of the plate. Like, just don't, if you can avoid all of that, I think he's good. Um, this was a great sign. This was, the, I think, the best I've seen Aaron Nola all year. However, it's one game. It's something I say all the time. Guys will have these wonderful nights, but we don't know how sustainable it is. People get into rhythm for a moment. They feel really good. It's there. And I just don't know if Aaron Nola is fixed yet, but this is so good. This is exactly the man that we want. At least just give us like a month of this or something to like offset all the other stuff. That'd be great. We got a lot more to talk about. Joe Musgrove had a ridiculous start and many others did too. Uh, We're going to talk about all of those and more after this break. Are you ready to step up to the plate and show off your fantasy baseball skills? Check out Underdog's Fantasy 7th Inning Stretch Tournament from now through July 14th, where you can build your dream team and compete against your friends for the $150,000 in total prizes. So what are you waiting for? Visit the link in the episode description and use promo code PITCHERLIST to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. Join us in the 7th Inning Stretch Tournament and experience the thrill of fantasy baseball like never before on Underdog. Good luck, and may the best team win. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 and older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. So you guys might not know, I've made it very public. Uh, I traded about a week ago Sandy Alcantara for, uh, sorry, Joe Musgrove for Sandy Alcantara. And uh, Joe Musgrove has been phenomenal since. Uh, seven innings, one earned run, three hits, one walk, and 11 strikeouts, 25 whiffs, 40% CSW for a golden goal against a troutless Angels offense. And also keep in mind that uh, Otani left with a blister. So without that and over Rendon, like, yeah, the Angels offense isn't very good. Still, the curve change and cutter all returned a 42% plus CSW. The fastball usage was under 25%, which I love to see. 
Really, I think that Joe Musgrove at his best is someone who sneaks in fastballs and doesn't rely on it too much. While the slider was 7 for tw- 10 strikes, but it's not the same venture you used to bring. But that curve is really, really good for him right now. The the cutter is doing good things to gain the strikes for him, and the change is good. And yeah, I uh, the change in curve being down so much is really, really nice. I love when I look at a strike zone plot and I see just green and blue at the bottom, right? That's the good stuff. Musgrove is in a great place, should be an all-star. And uh, I really hope this holds through the year. Kenta Maeda, speaking of holding through the year, nine strikeouts here in seven innings, one earned run, three hits, and one walk against the Royals. Got the win. We're feeling pretty good about Maeda right now, aren't we? Uh, his splitter has been there each of the three games, had seven over 31 whiffs here and got outs as well. The slider and the four-seamer are getting strikes. This is kind of the thing with Maeda. Now, I do want to see the slider become that swing strike rate, O-swing pitch that it used to be. That really, to me, is the game plan of... Maeda staying on one side of the zone with sliders, another side with splitters, and then the the fastball just kind of squeezes in around the edges, things like down and away a ton. That, to me, is prime Maeda. I don't know if he's quite there with the fastball and slider yet, but he is in the zone and he was able to avoid damage with it. That's a positive. It was the Royals, though, without Vinny P. So I, I, I hope that this is a rhythm that he's very much cruising in now and he will have damage done against him with that fastball and slider on a given night it's just it's bound to happen especially with the splitter not being 100% through the entire year like we know this is a splitter but Maeda 12 teamers should be held Uh, I think he's I think he's fantastic right now and there's really no reason to give up on that Dane Dunning against the Red Sox it's kind of interesting um every every uh week I might even mention this yesterday when I post the reddit um there's always something that that uh, the general public disagrees with me on. I, I get this. I, of course it does. You know, I'm, I'm in my own little bubble of, of analysis and I purposely do that. And I'm always, every single week I'm thinking like, okay, who is the guy? I look at the list even and I say, who, who are the guys that are going to get the biggest pushback of where they're ranked this week? And obviously I knew that there would be something about Abbott. So I wrote a long, long thing about Abbott, tried to address that. The biggest one was actually Bobby Miller which I get. I actually, I really do. I have him ranked 25 and maybe I am too high on it. Maybe I am projecting too much of my expected upside for him. While he hasn't really experienced it the last three games, the slider and, sorry, the curveball and the changeup have not been as consistent as we saw earlier on. And maybe that is a struggle for him where he's not really getting 60% strikes in either one of them. It's actually even trying to get over 50%. And uh, the slider had that an amazing game um, with 11 whiffs or so. I think maybe even 12. And it hasn't quite clicked in because he's he's tugging them too much out of the zone. That said, I think that Bobby Miller's command is so good with sinkers inside. Uh, the jamming batters, I think it's an amazing, amazing foundation that will allow him to go through games kind of the same way that Wheeler has done it or Alcantara has done it. And the big difference to me is that uh, while Bobby Miller necessarily doesn't get the same whiffs that Wheatler does with his, it's a much better slider. This is a, a legit um, top-of-the-line slider that I think over time is just going to get much better. And then also the the shape of the changeup and the, and the curve are fantastic. And those should get better over time as well. So I, I'm not too shocked that, that uh, Reddit wasn't in on me with Bobby Miller because I think my method of anal- analyzing pitchers and my thing about this moment moving on, it conflicts a little bit, and I get that completely. Uh, the other big one, though the reason why I brought all of this up, uh, was Dane Dunning. 
And Ding Dunning has a 2.61 ERA this year with a 110 whip, and I'm just not a fan because he has a 16% strikeout rate, and that includes a 10 strikeout performance against the against the Tigers. And really simply put, the man has a .52 homer per nine this year with a 2.63 BABIP, and his FIP is 4, 439. Um, I, I don't normally quote FIP or XFIP. Uh, or any of this stuff. I'm uh, sorry, his ex-ERA is 439. His FIP is actually 372. But then a 372 ERA with a 16% strikeout rate and likely a much higher 110 whip, closer to like 120. Is that enough for you? I guess so, maybe? I don't know. The way I see Dane Dunning is that he doesn't have an elite pitch. He doesn't have that pitch that like, oh, cool, he's going to turn to that and he's going to have success, right? You want to say maybe as a slider, it's a 14% swing strike rate with a 26% CSW and a sub-60% strike rate. With a changeup, Maybe that's the one. It's a 68% strike rate, but 23% CSW? Like, I don't I don't think it's that good. Uh, the slider has held a 184 average thus far, and it's worked for him, but I don't really think it's that special. And generally, how Dane Dunning gets through games is a high called strike rate on his sinker. It's 64th percentile, 23, 23% called strike rate. And then he has this cutter that has a 90th percentile called strike rate. And that's it. He just just hopes that these pitches get outs for him. Um, the good news is that the cutter is pretty decent at eliminating hard contact, just a 24% rate. But the sinker doesn't. Uh, the sinker has a 41st percentile hard contact rate. And if people will say, oh no, he's just getting soft contact with it. Dane Dunning's sinker has a 20% O-swing. And to me, that is the biggest indication of expecting success on a sinker or not. Is he getting swings off the plate with it? No, then yeah, that's not going to be something that I think is very good because sinkers inside the zone are generally very hittable. That's a long way of saying that Dane Dunning going six innings, one earned run, six hits, one walk, and four Ks against the Red Sox is likely not sustainable. And if you want to Vargas rule it, go ahead. You do you. Imagine how low that strikeout rate would be if he didn't have the 10 strikeout game against the Tigers, which is very unsustainable. We know that. We knew it wasn't. So... I, I'm not in on this. Uh, I I really am not. And uh, if you want to go for it, I don't blame you. But like August 1st, we're absolutely not having Dane Dunning on our teams. And that's fine. Kyle Hendricks did well. Six innings, one and run, four hits, one walk and five strikeouts against the Brewers. His command is good with the sinker and changeup. And even if the curveball is not doing well, who cares? It's a Vargas rule. He's in a very good rhythm. We go with it. 31% CSW. Kyle Hendricks is like Aaron Nola here. Like this is why it was working is eight whiffs, but he's such a good command. That he gets all of these good called strikes. Uh, Brennan uh, Bernardino, Bernardino opened for Chris Murphy's 3.2 frames, and who cares? That's a, that's a bullpen game, and we're not doing that. Eflin, uh, Zach Eflin, seven innings, 200 runs, four hits, zero walks, and nine strikeouts against the Phillies is wonderful. 17 whiffs, 36% CSW. Uh, the curveball had a 10 over 31 whiffs and 32% CSW, as if it was Charlie Morton. Honestly, there are many times I confuse Zach Eflin and Charlie Morton in my head. Because they kind of are the same thing. It's like fastball, cutter, uh, curveball. The curveball being the best pitch. So, something to think about there. Eflin is a little bit more of a rock, I think, because the cutter is a better supporter. And the sinker for Eflin is more consistent, I think, than Morton. But the Morton curveball is better than Eflin's. Something to consider. Lucas Giolito against the Jays. Six innings, two earned runs, four hits, two walks, and four Ks. So, fantastic against the Jays for Lucas Giolito here. Changeup had a 50% CSW, which is great. Fastball was slower. It was 92 and change, not 93 or hinting at 94. Slider was just 23% CSW, but you got some slider whiffs. The changeup did well inside the zone. And this was against the Jays, so we're going to say, great job. You got through that one. 
Keep going with Giolito. He's going to be a really hot commodity at the trade deadline. If the White Sox are actually trading, I think they are. They should be. But you don't know what the Central holds. And it's going to be a weird, wild couple weeks to see if the White Sox can figure something out to be in contention once again. Chris Bassett against the White Sox on the other side of this. Six innings, three earned runs, six hits, one walk, five Ks. And this is Bassett. Hi, what's up? You've, this is normality, finally, after the terrible nightmares and the 12 strikeout game. And now we just get a poor quality start with a good whip and five Ks. Yep, that's Chris Bassett. Colby Allard, after going eight strikeouts last time out for Atlanta, went against the Guardians, five innings, three earned runs, four hits, one walk, and just three strikeouts because it was one over 16 CSW and curves, which is a 19% strike rate, and that is horrific. Horrific. Do not trust Colby Allard. Please do not do it. Clark Schmidt against the Orioles. Five innings, three earned runs, five hits, zero walks, and seven Ks. So the sweeper and curve did well. Um, the cutter earned enough strikes, and I love the fact that Schmidt saw a sinker. Is like, you know what? I'm not going to throw this as much as I have in the past and really lean on those secondaries, and I think that's great. I think that's really good. Think of it as like a discount or almost like, nah, nah he's better. I don't know. I, I'm thinking like Aaron Savali in the way of, hey, throw these secondaries and then sneak in the fastball, but Schmidt's secondaries, I think, are better than the cutter and curve of Savali. That again, the curve is better than anything, I think, than Schmidt has. Yes, even the sweeper. I don't know. It's an interesting comparison. Clark Schmidt is going to go less into games, but he is making this work with Cutter, Curve, and Sweeper at the moment. So maybe I haven't given him enough credit. I feel like he's a Toby because of this. Again, 80 pitches, five innings, not a good ERA, but he got to win. Keaton win against the Mariners. Eh, I was hoping for something more. Uh, four innings, three and runs, six hits, one walk, two Ks. I didn't really have him ranked high. It was a bottom of questionable start. And yeah... Didn't do well here against the Mariners as a splitter was not as good as I want to be. Not as much uh, fastball dominance, and so it goes, and we don't really go for this. Sean Manai came in for about 38 pitches, I think it was, and it had a way different slider. We're talking like six ticks harder with 10 inches less vertical breaks. So you're saying, oh, pretty much you went from a curveball to a cutter. Pretty much. It's kind of what it is. Um, slider on like both side ends of the spectrum. So he's trying something new, and maybe there's something there to that. I don't know, but... Sean Manai is not going to be a fantasy relevant guy this year. We're going to be talking about it entering next year, and I'm just not going to touch it. Uh, Frile Keeland. Oh, my gosh. Kyle Freeland against Ast- the Astros, of course. Didn't do well. What do you know? Kyle Gibson against the Yankees. You never know where you're going to get. And you got four in runs with seven base runners and four Ks and six innings and a loss, including four walks. Yeah, whatever. You don't really want to go with Kyle Gibson. Max Scherzer against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Went yesterday, not today. Masenga um, and him swapped. It was four and runs in six innings, which is annoying, but you got to win seven base runners in nine Ks, so it's a dusty donut, and you move on. Zach Davies against the Mets didn't really do a whole lot, but six Ks and 5.2 innings isn't so bad. Four and runs, five hits, two walks. I just don't think, like, there's enough for him to really be, be fancy relevant, as he had a decent changeup, but there just isn't anything else there. Brett Kennedy showed up for the Reds to make a start against the Nationals, got the win. Five innings, four and runs, though. Five hits, two walks, and three Ks. He tosses, like, 92-93, maybe 92-94 on the heater with a decent changeup, and there's just nothing for me to go for. Uh, so do not go after Brett Kennedy. Um, Wade Miley did Wade Miley things. It actually was a good version of himself, but it didn't work out for him. He got singled out. Five innings, four and runs, nine hits, two walks, four Ks with a home run as well. But 15 West, 32% CSW as he was throwing... A tick harder on the cutter, two ticks on the changeup. That's cool. Really nice uh, pitch separation as well. You've run the simulator more times, and Wade Miley does much better than this, right? Uh, but this is just baseball. That's how it works. Now he gets the Reds next. If you hold on to the, that skill set, that could still work even though they're the hot Reds. It's a desperate Sunday play. 
Uh, Shane Bieber did terribly. Why? Because he went against Atlanta, who is so good, and the slider and the curve aren't there. And it was really there for just one start. And no, it hasn't really for two starts. It was somewhat-ish there last time. Now, definitely not. 16% CSW slider and two out of 16 whips on the curve. So Shane Bieber, not in a good place, but then again, Atlanta. So fine, start him against Kansas City. We'll talk there, but I don't really expect the slider and curve to be that dominant there either. Adam Wainwright against Miami. Yep, it's Adam Wainwright. Don't care that it's Miami. It's Adam Wainwright. We all know not to start him. Shoei Otani left his game with a blister. And that would explain the five earned runs in five innings, seven hits, four walks, five Ks. While he was down on velocity across the board, it stinks. Uh, he will, probably won't pitch until after the All-Star break, and they could push him back there. So it's essentially like an IL stem without going on it, and he can still hit. So uh, I expect him to pitch again in like two weeks. Emmett Sheen against the Pirates. I I also want to talk about uh, Reddit for a second because it said, hey, Sh- Emmett Sheen is not a Toby. I'm like, mm, I think he is. 3.2 innings, five earned runs, four hits, four walks, four Ks against the Pirates. Why do I call him a Toby? Because of his skill set. And his skill set is a lateral four-seamer that is about more called strikes and whiffs. And the slider and change are not elite whiff pitches. And that essentially says you are not going to be a strikeout guy. You're not going to be a 25 to 30% strikeout guy. You're going to be more around like 20% or so. Maybe you become a Holly, but it's too early in your career to jump up to, up to being a Holly in my view. Because that means consistency. And generally, we see lower floors for rookies because they have more emotions and they're learning the league and all that kind of stuff. So command is a little bit more wonky. The first year, Kyle Body, Bodie, I keep saying body. Kyle Bodie has this whole thing about the first year of rookies. You can just throw away all command um, numbers. And Emmett Sheen's probably going to yeah be a little bit weird. Um, but he's in my heart a Toby. And that's fine. You should still have him on your fantasy teams. Zach Greinke against the Twins, 5.1 innings, 600 runs, 7 hits, 0 walks, and 3 Ks. Zach Greinke also left us with a shoulder injury, and I really hope he gets at least one more start so we can all honor him properly. Patrick Corbin is Patrick Corbin, and yeah, you should not have expected better. And Luis Ortiz against the Dodgers, 3.1 innings of 600 runs, 9 hits, 1 walk, and 3 Ks, because Luis Ortiz is not someone you want to trust against the Dodgers whatsoever. I don't really want to go with Luis Ortiz in my leagues at all at this moment. I don't think that his stuff is so much better than what the command is, which is a shrug at the moment, and the fastballs get hit. Okay. Today's starting pitchers, Pablo Lopez, Bobby Miller, Justin Steele, and Jose Brios lead the way. Pretty obvious there. JP France is our stream pick of the day against the Rocky Road. Uh, you get Alex Cobb and John Gray and Mike Soroka also here. John Gray against the Red Sox is very interesting. I'm I'm going to bank that his rhythm is improving so that his fastball command will be better this start than it was in the last one. While Michael, Michael Soroka had a good slider last time, and I hope that everything is coming together for him in another start as he gets the, the Guardians. Questionable start tier, it's a still ill for Eduardo Rodriguez, but if you want to go for it against Oakland Athletics, by all means, I don't know how many pitches he's going to go. I don't know how good he's going to be after his finger injury, so... But yeah, I'm okay starting him if you want to, but generally I just say play it safe the first time. Could I sing is always a volatile guy, gets the Diamondbacks, Seth Lugo against the very depleted Angels offense. Couldn't be pushed up into probable start for that reason. Uh, Lance Lynn against the Jays, you don't know what you're going to get. Brian Bayo against the Rangers, oh boy. Um, the second half of this is way worse in my view. Uh, Dean Kramer versus Randy Vasquez, who do you want to go for there? Yankees in Baltimore. I don't know. Both of them can go like five, six innings and maybe get a win. Uh, Graham Ashcraft had a really good slider, but a terrible cutter command last time out. So what do you want to do against the Nationals? Probably bench. Um, Adrian Hauser could chuck fastballs into the zone and make it work against the Cubs, but who knows? And Tommy Henry against the Mets. He has a really good slider right now, but the Mets are kind of good. And I don't know if I really want to trust that with Tommy Henry. And do not start here. I think the, the odds of them doing well are just not good enough to chase in any realm. Um, like Taiwan Walker against the Rays, it's the Rays. Josiah Gray against the Reds, and they just don't really like his stuff that much, and it's the Rays. And Brian Hoeing against the Cardinals, they're really cold right now, but Hoeing doesn't really go more than five innings. 
Steven Matz against the Marlins. I do not want to do this until I see something excellent from him. Johnny Chirinos is just very blech, and he gets the Phillies. Patrick Sandoval gets the Padres. No, thank you. Alec Marsh, I want to see him have a really good start first before having any faith in them. Bido gets the, Osvaldo Bido gets the Dodgers. Cal Quantrill against Atlanta. Oh, gosh. Chase Anderson against the Astros. And the last two here are Tommy Malone, believe it or not, is starting for the Mariners. Of course not, but it's going against the Giants, and that's entertaining at the very least. And Ken Waldachuk goes against the uh, Tigers and likely a bullpen game for the Athletics. Looking forward to tomorrow, we have Framber Valdez, Tyler Glasnow, George Kirby, Freddie Peralta, Julio Urias, Nathan Evaldi, Marcus Stroman, Yuri Perez, and Tanner Bybee all in that top tier. Perez and Bybee, of course, are against bad teams. You're going to do it. Same with Stroman against the Brewers. Evaldi, I'm just hoping that it's 96 again. And not to mention, at 94, he wasn't the worst thing ever, so you're going to start him against the Red Sox. Peralta versus and, and Urias are both 4-5 and five here because Peralta looked really good in his last start against the Cubs, while Urias is against Pittsburgh, and you think, hey, maybe he should go higher up. No, he was really bad in the last one. The command was so bad against the, the Royals. I'm expecting it to be better as that still is out of the way, but this could be like five innings of whatever. And George Kirby gets the Astros, but yeah, you start George Kirby right now. Okay, cool. Probable start here, it's Jack Flaherty, Yusei Kikuchi, and Michael Lorenzen. Lorenzen is a stream pick of the day because it's the Athletics. He's a Toby against a bad team. You do that. Jack Flaherty had a good slider and a good curveball announced the Marlins, so fine, we're going to do that. And Yusei Kikuchi still doing the thing of curveballs and sliders inside the zone. It didn't work out last time, but I think that skill set is good enough for the White Sox. Questionable start here, you might want to consider Hogan Harris as a possible streaming option against Detroit. He will be open for likely. That could be a good outing. Uh, Kyle Bradish has been on a good streak. I don't, I don't trust his fastballs enough and the curveball is just so inconsistent, but it is the Yankees who don't have judge. Maybe that does work. Mackenzie Gore is a cherry bomb. That could be a lot of strikeouts here, but the approach and the command, we don't know as he gets the Reds. Luis Severino is inside of here. Why? Because I recognize that he's been so bad, but who knows? He has a tiara on one given day. The slider could click back in and Shazam. He's Luis Severino again. So he's a desperate questionable start play, but I do recognize the Orioles are also not a good offense right now. And Ryan Nelson against the Mets. Uh, Ryan Nelson is working more with changeups and kind of has been working, but I don't really buy it, but maybe it does here against the Mets. In the do not start tier, Brandon Williamson maybe has enough with the cutter and like he's a mini Wade Miley, but I just don't think that there's enough of a ceiling to chase even against the, the Nationals. Christopher Sanchez gets the race, so no thank you. Carlos Carrasco against the Diamondbacks, no thank you. Cutter Crawford against the Rangers, no, uh, Carter Crawford over time, but it's the Rangers. Uh, Johan Aviedo against the Dodgers, absolutely not. Jordan Lyles against the Guardians, come on, and Tanner Banks against the Jays, come on. All right, that is it. It's a long one today, even though I'm still sick. <laughs> I don't know why. I just have a lot to say, I guess. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. Meet your babs below and your strike outside.